And so mentally, I've always said to myself, when it's mine and it's my intellectual property, I want it my way. I want to be able to put it out to the world my way. I don't want to have to whitewash it, water it down because somebody say, oh, well, that can come off offensive. Well, if people... Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Dr. Pam Gurley is unapologetic about how she lives her life and does so to the fullest. An avid traveler and culture lover, she has visited 40 of the 50 United States, one U.S. territory, and 31 countries to gain a holistic view of the world we live in. While she loves books, live music, red wine, and trying different foods, nothing quite compares to seeing the world. Her travels have shaped her views and given context to self-expression, self-acceptance, colorism, racism, and stereotyping. She is a savvy, busy boss lady looking to change the narrative of how Black women are perceived. Welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back to Diversity Dish. Today, my guest is Pam Gurley. Hi, Pam. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great. It is a pleasure to have you here on Diversity Dish. We're going to get into talking about publishing, self-publishing, children's books, diversity, all sorts of things. But before we do that, I would like for you to tell us what is it that you are most passionate about right now? So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to have these conversations. And I think right now I am most passionate about, you know, being booked, busy, and balanced, you know, and the key word being balanced, because that's so important to have nowadays when it comes to pouring into yourself, taking care of yourself, because it just makes be much more creative in the things that I do. So that's where my passion is lying right now is having that balanced life for me, no matter what is going on. I love it because I am such a proponent, (laughs) such a proponent of having a balanced life, making sure that there's space. So how do you do that for yourself? How do you make sure? So, you know what? I had to learn how to give myself grace. That was the first thing. That's the hardest thing because I, there, there was that time where I would be up to two or three o'clock in the morning working, feeling like I got, I, you know, I have to get this done. I have to get this done. And now I, I limit myself to normal work hours because now I work for myself. I don't feel like I have to dedicate nine hours to a full time and then still do six or seven hours to a part-time. My part-time has now become my full-time. And and mentally, I had to do the switch to make sure that I have that time where I cut off. So I make that time about family. From the time, you know, my family walks in the door, that's that's it. 
unless I have mm-hmm. something that's urgent because I do podcasts and do other things, but that's not consistently all the time. So I put those boundaries in place and having those boundaries allow me to make time for me mm-hmm. and the things that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so smart. And that's what a privilege you have to be able to work for yourself and be able to do that. I, I have the same privilege. And so I, I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, just like you said, I had to go, okay, because I used to do the, I have to, I have to, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, even when I was just working for myself and I had to slow down and learn that nothing's really going to get done, or at least it's not going to get done as well as you want it to, if you're not in the right headspace to do it. And I find that I'm a lot more productive now working a lot less hours because I can focus and I can give it my all. And then, you know, and if it's not working, I just kind of walk away. I'm like, you know what? No more, no pushing, walk away and we'll be back later or tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. Yes, definitely. So you are an author. Tell us a little bit about the books that you have written. So I became an author in 2019, unless you consider like a dissertation being published, making you an author. (laughs) You know, that was one of the things that I have published and I have published poetry years, years, years ago. But in terms of books, you know, I published my first book in 2019. I did two. I was on an anthology the early part of the year in 2019. And then I published my own book called I Am Not a Stereotype. I am H-E-R in November of 2019. And that really set the pace of becoming, you know, a storyteller. I think there's something magical that happens when you write about yourself that awakens a part of you that you never really knew existed. One, it's hard. It's really hard (laughs) to write a book and be transparent and honest about everything. The transparency isn't the hard part. It's releasing it to the world that is. Mm -hmm. Because when you you pour out who you are, you strip down naked in front of the world and you open yourself up in a in a way that is beyond vulnerability mm-hmm. because you, you open yourself to criticism. You open yourself to ridicule. But then on the flip side, the reward is recognizing that no matter what anyone say, you put it out there. Mm-hmm. You have to have comfort in knowing that your story and your truth is out there. And I loved that people got to see that vulnerable me to understand where I came from Mm -hmm. because I've achieved a lot and that's all people saw for a very long time Mm. and they had this expectation and image of me that I felt like was false and I was tired of living up to someone else's expectations and I wanted to just live up to my own so when I wrote that book it shed so many negative things that I felt about myself and I, even though I had healed before I wrote that book, writing it brought all of those emotions back. Mm. It didn't bring back the me, but it made me proud to see how much I had grew and gotten past the self-toxicity that was socialized and ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And so when I wrote that book, I wrote it from a, for people to have introspection. And then after that, in March this year, I released a a book called Black Girl Activists, Changing the Narrative of Black Women. 
And I found it important that I was in these groups with these amazing women on Clubhouse. And one of them, her name is Melantha. She said, you should write a book. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not really an author like that. You know, I wrote a book. Certainly I was good. And she said, no, you really should, you know, because you have a lot of insight that have an opportunity to make these shifts mm -hmm. and you're, you know, to let people know that we need to have these conversations that I'm always igniting. And I said, okay. So within 30 days, I wrote a book oh, and then okay. published it. Yeah. Then went ahead and went through the process and, and then I released it at the very end of women's his, uh, uh, women's history month in March. And so I was like, okay. And so I look at the first book being individual, the second book being community. I woke up one day and it was revealed to me about my children's book series. Originally, it was only supposed to be five titles. And in my mind, I had all of these titles written. I, I knew what I wanted to do. It was like God gave me this series. And then I got on the phone with a really, really dear sister friend of mine named Cortina. And she was like, oh, you need, you need to add to this. Why don't you do this, this? And I'm thinking, add. But after I hung up with her, I had all of these great ideas and I'm looking and I was like, maybe I can add five more. Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Cedrola Maruska, and I help entrepreneurs and small businesses go from mediocre to magnificent by transforming their cultures to be more equitable and inclusive. To find out how we can work together, go to diversitydish.com, where you'll find my consulting, coaching, and speaker information. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to working with you. So I added five more <laughs> and, and when I, when I started writing them, it was like, okay, I had all of these ideas and, and everything that I wanted to come from it. Finding an illustrator is not the easiest ever. So after getting a really good pricing point and working with a, a phenomenal illustrator who I still work with now for my other books that I'm going to be releasing for the next two years, when to get a book that you wrote in full color and full bloom made me so emotional because mm. I knew that speaking to adults is one thing, but what broke me was being a child and being able to pour what I feel like was missing when I was growing up Right in books. And I, I wanted to move away from everybody saying representation matters and representation matters and diversity matters. It's not about representation by skin color. It's about representing by cultural enrichment. It's about representation by seeing equity available in the books that we read. And that's what I wanted kids to understand. I, I didn't want them to really care about their skin color. I wanted them to care about how they felt about themselves. So it's like, damn, the skin color, you are so much more. And I want kids to understand that when they walk into this world, they belong there. But mm -hmm. in order to know you belong there, you have to know what, what's on the inside. And then it's going to radiate on the outside. So when you look at yourself, you feel the power from inside that's coming on the outside saying, this is my world too. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give that to every child. And it wasn't just having a, a children having brown skin. You know, although it's called brown girl and brown boy, I didn't want to give them names. I want every kid to be able to see themselves. And brown is a color. Mm -hmm. Brown and brown has several shades of color. 
so I, I've always said, you know, I'm sure I'll get some pushback on why I'm choosing to <laughs> name my kids brown boy and brown girl, but they are a shade of brown. Mm -hmm. And but when you open my books, I have all shades of kids. I have Asian kids. I have white kids. I have every color kid in my book mm -hmm. because I feel like every child needs to know that they connect. Every child needs to know that they can get along. You know, we look at racism and racism is taught, but discrimination can be broken, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to kids because we discriminate just by what we see. Mm -hmm. And oh, you know. So when I, I, in my book, I say, when you see somebody that's down, you don't have to be down because they're down. Be that person to pick them up, give them, give them your joy because energy radiates. Mm -hmm. And so when you, and when you see a kid that doesn't look like they fit in because they're like, well, they, no one looks like me. Nobody's going to play with me. Kids should feel empowered to say, Hey, what's your name? Mm -hmm. That's all. And that makes us social, which is why I did Brown girl be social, Brown boy be social as the very first part of my book because social is knowing that you're a part of the earth and, and you can be social alone because you have animals and pets and flowers and just being able to experience experience the world around you mm -hmm. so that's that empowered me to write books and that is really essentially how I became an author it was like God, God <laughs> gave me a voice and you either listen to that voice to put it out into the world or you hold it in and it goes nowhere. I love that. I, and I feel your excitement and your passion uh, towards your books, which is fantastic. I just love it. And, and, you know, and I think that it's true. I think that, you know, kids just really need to feel like they belong wherever they are. There you are and you belong there. It's a lesson that a lot of adults are still trying to learn because we've been socialized so much. Our society tells us, you know, where we do or do not belong, depending on on how we look or how mobile we are or, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, ha having that opportunity to just say, I belong where I am and that's good is fantastic. So I love it. So you, when you say, so you, you became an author, we talked a little bit offline about how you are a self-published author. And I'm sure people have questions about that. First question that I would ask is, why did you decide to self-publish? I get that all the time. <laughs> I'll bet. I, I, I think I will say this. When I was going through my doctoral program, I learned something very valuable. When you are writing your dissertation, you have to be able to defend it mm -hmm. and defend everything in it. I remember when I was going through in the very beginning with my study and I had one of the uh, chair people tell me, oh, you know, that's not a good way to go about it. This, this. And I said, this is. I, this is the tool I am choosing for this reason. And I held my ground on it. And I was able to still utilize that tool as a part of my research. I learned then the value of having a voice for what you want. So when I did my dissertation, although I would say I, some parts of my study, because of weather and other things didn't happen the way I wanted to, the outcome was more than what I've ex expected. And it was so enriching to go back and like, wow, even though that wasn't the things I was testing for, but what came back was the magnitude of how it helped. Mm -hmm. But had I had listened to that, I would not have gotten that information. 
Mm-hmm. And so mentally, I've always said to myself, when it's mine and it's my intellectual property, I want it my way. I want to be able to put it out to the world my way. I don't want to have to whitewash it, water it down because somebody say, oh, well, that can come off offensive. Well, if people take offense to what I do and what I write, I feel like that I'm in the going in the right direction. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know what? I always, conversations that are difficult, wake up people. Yeah. And I want to wake those, and I want to wake those people up. So when, when, when I chose to self-publish, it was because the timing is mine. Because when you, if, if you deal with a literary agent or a publisher, you go on, you know, it might be two, three years before your book comes out. Even though they might pay you up front, I feel like I write for relevance for right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to wait a year from now on a cycle to put my books out. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to put my, put my stuff out there when I want without having to say your cover is this way. I want you to have your cover look that way because they're paying me because they're really owning parts of my book, even though I am paying for it. Mm. And I believe in ownership. I want to own every bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want, even though, even though once it's distributed out, then yes, you have to either, you know, if you want to distribute it worldwide, you are, you're going to have to give up and relinquish a percentage. But to me, what I'm giving up is, is the reach. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to reach that if I wanted to and be able to ship. Mm-hmm. So if I had that reach and I, or I had, you know, the capability to mass produce, probably still wouldn't <laughs> as an independent. But what I can say is I make the rules for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I set the basis for it. My, when, when people see the publisher, it's published under my sets, unpublished under my company, Clark and Hill Enterprise. So mm-hmm. that makes me feel absolutely amazing to know that I'm doing something that has not been done as an indie author. Right. And I'm, right. And, and I'm making it happen. I, I feel like I'm, I am using my resources for me. So when people want to self-publish and they want to know what it looks like, yeah, you can get your money up front going through a literary agent, but it mm-hmm. might be years before your book comes out. The other thing is when people pay you, you're on a timeline. So if you hit writer's block, you have to be able to still produce at a quality that won't get kicked back. Mm-hmm. And it still may get kicked back because they might say, well, we want changes. And because they paid you, you have to make those changes or unless you fight for it. And it also depends on how things are negotiated and all of those things. There's a lot of red tape. It, it is what it is, but I chose yeah. that for a reason because I wanted to fully own. I wanted all the, I wanted to be able to give and pour what I wanted, when I want it and how I want it. Nice. So when you do the marketing, how do you do your marketing? A bomb ass PR. <laughs> <laughs> And I say that, but I'm, I'm serious about that. But then on the other side, you know, I learned very early on that if you have to get out there, you have to be able to promote and do advertisements. And so my PR is just one side. I do ads. I'm on podcasts. I'm um, in the media. I'm pushing myself out there. You have to constantly push content. And it's not easy. It's not even easy having a PR, mm-hmm. but a PR has given me global exposure but at the same time, that costs money too. Right. So for people who don't have PR money, you have to learn how to pitch yourself. 
-hmm. You have to learn how to put yourself out there and say, you know what, I really want this soul. What do I need to do? You know, you can be contacting podcasters, you can be contacting media people, you can you can find other channels, you can go to flea markets and uh, what else do they have festivals and, and, and do vending. Mm -hmm. So there's so many ways that you can you can get your books. And I always say the power of one can lead to the power of 10. Mm -hmm. Because one person, if you have something really good, can tell one person who tells one person that tells another person, and there's a chain reaction. Right. And so that's what people need to consider also when marketing, if you know, so that they don't be you be what they call a poor author or an author that just sells 10 books or a hundred books and then it goes anywhere. If you really truly believe in it, it's not necessarily about the money. It's about the message. Right. Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you for that information. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people will find value in it. And I do, I do agree that it's, it's so important to own what you create and to allow your voice to come through. And you are right. There are times when publishers want to whitewash it, make it more whatever mainstream so to speak if that is even a thing anymore Um, but I think that sometimes they don't even have their pulse on the mainstream to really know what people really want or people are in interested in hearing you know they didn't uh, they hold back movies they hold back books they hold back television shows they hold back so many things that tell stories of people who are on the margins and thinking that nobody wants to hear those stories. But then when they put those things out, people are just, it's like water on parched ground. It gets sucked up so quickly and and easily. It's like, oh, well, we didn't think. Well, of course, maybe you didn't think because it's not in your purview to think that way. So good on you. Do you think that you will ever go through a major publisher, or are you going to continue doing it the way that you're doing? Because I also know that it's kind of a hustle (laughs) the way that you're doing it, because you have to do most of everything. Sometimes when you go through a major publisher, you can just say, okay, y'all do it. And then you kind of talk about it, but they're, you know, it's their responsibility to, I guess, push, push, push. So I'm never going to say never. Um, Right. I, hmm. I don't know. That's really hard for me with this series. You know, maybe I might start a new series and go through a publisher, but I think that I don't want no, I don't want anyone to have to change my illustrator because then I feel like that might tweak the way my characters look, Mm -hmm. you know, when you, because I'm, I've only dealt with one character. And although my, my kids have different looks Mm -hmm. on each book, they still look the same. You know what I'm saying? I, Mm -hmm. I, because she created my characters and I also was is I'm, I'm a contract girl so I didn't work for the federal government and get as high as I did because I can't negotiate and read and all that other stuff <laughs> also didn't get a doctor because I don't read the fine print um it depends on the contract and all money is not good money and and honestly True. I, I don't feel like what I'm doing right now is hustling I don't feel the hustle I have the passion. This is why you, you yes. know, you can hear it in my voice. So it feels energizing to me. 
So it doesn't really, you know, if it gets too hard, I also know that I can listen to my inside and God would tell me now is your time to pass that on and give that up. Right now, I'm not ready for that. Yep. And if if that's when, and if and when the time comes, I will know it. I know that I'm breaking ground doing something that no independent has ever done. And that gives me a level of joy that nobody can take from me either. And that's <laughs> just knowing that I'm already a first indie author to be able to do what I have done. And I'm not rich by no means, <laughs> but I, I, I love the kids. I love the message. I, I love what I am doing. I love the impact that I am making and that I want to make. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as long as I am doing that, I'm doing God's work. And until he and until he changes how that work should be done, that's, you know, I'm going to always operate in this right now. I love it. Absolutely. I think that, I think you're right when you say that, you know, you're not feeling it as a hustle, you're feeling it as a passion. So it's kind of emoting your passion and kind of always being able to emote that passion. And I can see that to be true. And it's true. If you are doing something that you're passionate about, it's never a hustle. It's never a grind. It's never a, oh my God, I have to do this. It's always a, yes, I get to do this. I'm so excited. I get to do this. And so that's just, that's just a beautiful thing. So I love it. That's wonderful. So I know that you talk a lot about multiculturalism or being tuned into culture, right? Having a tune into culture. Can you talk to us a little bit about your views as it pertains to that? So, yes. So here's the, the thing. This world is a cultural melting pot. I'm, I'm multi-ethnic. And I was uh, recently, here's a good example. I was I'm in a parenting group and someone posed the question, that was a, a white female who has a biracial son who's of course darker than her. And she said, she was asking, what do I call him? And I think that was probably the most honest I've ever seen someone ask when, as it pertains to their child. She said that, you know, she doesn't want to come off offensive and, and how does she talk to her son? And I, rem I wrote back that you know, one of the things that I always hated was that I had to explain to people why I looked different mm -hmm. because my hair, you know, my hair is curly and mm -hmm. I have high cheekbones. And to me, I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm a black girl, you know, <laughs> Right. But my, but my grandmother was Mexican and, you know, I have Indian on my mom and my dad's side, actually both a native American Indian. And I always was bothered by that. I, I feel like as a child, we should not have to explain why we look different. Why is our hair different? You don't look black enough. You don't look white enough. You, and I have biracial nieces. That was the other reason why I felt it was important to have these books. Kid, allow their kids to be kids. And, and I told her, I said, I, my response in that message back to her, I said, no matter what, the world is going to see your son in a multitude of ways mm -hmm. but what's but what's most important is what you pour in him to understand who he is mm -hmm. and that he doesn't have to make choices on who he is and you instill that you teach children how to block that level of energy 
at a very early age. Mm -hmm. And so when I, and that's when I look at, talk about culture and I talk about representation and I talk about diversity and I talk about equity and equality, all of those are different. Mm -hmm. And we, we put so much emphasis on the color of your skin when that's not really the only part of representation. But when we talk about culture and we don't talk about skin color either, you know, that's also mm -hmm. like culture and representation is not about skin color. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about environment. It's, it's about language, you know, because, because black people, you see black people, but it, they don't have to always be black. They can be Hispanic, Panamanian, Cuban, you know, they all look very different. They can be albino. So let's move away from skin color and really start talking about what makes us feel good. We don't have to think that we look different or be, that think that we are different because we look different. Mm -hmm. And because, th because that's what society say, because what they want to break culture. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, they want to break culture. If you look at even some religious, uh, very religious groups, People try to break those, the strains of that as well. And so we have to look at how we are pouring into our children, pouring into adults about changing how we view and what it means to have representation. So that way we're not out here perpetuating stereotypes because people think that we should be this way based on the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm very passionate about it. And that's why I had to let her know, you know, it, it made me toxic having to, as a child, to have to explain why I look different. I didn't want to look different, but God made me this way. Right. So I, accept it. I love that I'm different. <laughs> right. Right. And then, so the other part, you talk about a, a, a time where the LGBTQ community have catapulted to have a lot more in equity than the black race. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. We've been fighting for a long time. Mm -hmm. They came on the scene and fought and there's laws in place to protect them. There's still not laws to protect us. Mm -hmm. So darn all the other things. Let's get some equity in here. Let's get some equality in there because another thing that I always tell people when it comes to race and race relations and culture and why it's important because we think that because we have a seat at the table that we have equity we don't right equity has been given a voice while you have that seat at the table right that's that's but, the and, inclusion part that's the that's the inclusion part right yes mm -hmm. and so we have to look at what can our culture do to get us into those spaces and give us that voice, give us that real inclusion. And it has nothing to do with representation. It's a cultural value that we lend to places. I mean, hell, we got cultural appropriation all kind of, in, in all kinds of ways. Everybody want to look like us, but nobody wants to be us. So let's right. start with that. <laughs> That's real talk right there. <laughs> But you know what? The, the damaging thing to me, guess what cultural appropriation did to us? It made us hate our bodies. Not me. I'm just saying the black race hate our bodies because yeah. the, you know, all the other races out here getting, doing the most with their bodies to look like us that we feel like we have to compete with what we already have and get more. It's like, what? 
Why? Let's not. Mm-hmm. They don't. They still. They want to look like us, but they don't want to be us. They don't want to walk into our shoes. Some of them don't want to advocate for us. Some of them will never have a voice for us. Right. And that's not. That's not okay. That's not okay. That's not that's okay. Not okay. Right. So right. I. And that's why you know, if my platform and what I do piss people off, oh, I welcome it. Come on, because I want to have these conversations. And apparently, they're already going to be blindsided. But it doesn't have to change me it doesn't have to change how I feel and I don't have to put my place in spaces that don't feel good to me right yeah I just had I just had a conversation with someone and they said I don't do what I don't want to do and I do what I do want to do which is basically kind of the same thing in that it's I am who I am and I'm going to embrace that and if it bothers you, that's too bad for you, but it, I need to be who I am because it's been a long time coming that I've been, you know, squeezed into whatever notions you think I'm supposed to be. And now I'm breaking out of that. And in breaking out of that, if it makes you uncomfortable, if I'm not doing anything to hurt you, but it makes you uncomfortable, you should check yourself as to why do you feel uncomfortable with me simply being me, with me simply embracing who I am and all that I bring to the table, just as you've been able to do your whole life. <laughs> so it is, it is definitely something to consider, think about, make sure, put out there and, you know, more and more, I'm learning that myself as well. It's just kind of just, put it out there. You're, if it's true, if it's honest, put it out there. If it's, it's going to make somebody uncomfortable, but maybe that's just what's necessary in order for them to be, you know, exercise isn't comfortable, but people do it all the time. Right. They're like, Oh, I'm in so much pain, but I'm going to go back to the gym. <laughs> right. You think the same thing, you know what, as, as, now that you say that, you you think about a lot of the things that we do. You have um, childbirth. Childbirth is is not for, it's not, there's no pleasantry to that, but people <laughs> do it over and over and over and over again. Hey, you know, what's good for you might hurt a little bit, but you, the, the outcome is always what's great. So I think that's so true. Right. It's the outcome. We got to, we got to, we got to focus on where we're going. We got to go through. I mean, even, even if it's a personal journey, like in a personal emotional journey, you know how you were saying that you wrote the book, your first book, and it was your story. And although you had gone through and dealt with things, writing it down and knowing that you're going to put it out there still brought up feelings, right? You still Mm got to go through it. And maybe you're going to go through it more than one time. I know I too am just starting a journey on writing a book. And I sat down yesterday. I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before I'm trying to write every day, but it's not, (laughs) I'm getting to that. (laughs) But, But I sat down and I really started writing and I kept telling myself, just keep going. 
as uncomfortable as I was feeling about the things that I was putting down, I said, just keep going. Nobody's reading this one. Nobody's reading this one. Just keep going, right? Just keep going. Just get it down, get the information down. And then later you can go back and you can say, okay, and kind of work through it so that you can, you know, get it out there. But yeah, it's everything, everything that's worth doing and that's worth growing through is worth going through. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And you know what you say, what you said is so powerful in, you know, because I heard you say, like, you try to write every day and you're writing your book and you're, you know, becoming a writer. Yeah, I love when, when people always say, well, well, I don't know what to do to get started. You just write. You just so I love writing. that you are just writing and that you try to write every day. And I mean, I trust me, I know it's a stretch. I, I do write every day, unfortunately, but I, I own a writing company. I write blogs and articles and media and all of that other stuff. So not, not only do I get an opportunity to write books, I'm writing for brands and all of that stuff. But, yeah. but somehow just being able to creatively express yourself a lot of times comes after, you know, <laughs> after you pour it all out. Yeah. You know, you, it's, it's hard to be creative if you're writing about yourself now. I am not a fiction writer, so it's very difficult for me to write fiction books. Granted, my kids' books, it's a little bit different, but mm. because, because it's half fact, half fish, fiction. I'm teaching kids how to love themselves from the inside out in a very charismatic and fun and colorful way. I, I have sight words in there, so it's made for education. Yeah. But for, uh, you know, when, I, when it comes to adult books, I don't know the first thing <laughs> about, uh, you know, about writing fiction. My sister does, and I'm, I'm like, never do this. And I, and I, I still believe never say never, but at the same time, it's like, that's a lot of work. I'd rather pour out facts. I'd rather pour out my truth. I'd rather pour out transparency because character building and all of that other stuff, I'm like, oh, it's, it's a lot. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely a lot. So I don't know, are you writing fiction or are you, you choosing, oh, you're writing about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing about me. I'm writing, you know, I'm, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not sure where it's going, but it's not fiction. It's, it's me. And I, I decided that I don't know exactly where I'm going, but if I keep writing, it will show itself. It will develop. And as I write, and so I'm doing it in that vein. I don't have a deadline. I'm just saying this is going to happen. And so I'm, I'm putting it out there. And, you know, I've, I've, a lot of things have kind of evolved that way for me in the last um, three and a half years or so, you know, since having been diagnosed with cancer, a lot of things have, have evolved for me where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to open up, see what comes, allow things to, to come and see where we're go where we go but also being very intentional about the things that I don't allow and the things that I that I don't do like I don't do the should 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 and I don't do the you know go 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 beat yourself up you know I don't do that if I find myself in that space where I start to do that that's why I just like I like I told you that's why I just like let it go and I walk away so I would give you a tip when, when writing a book and something that I had to learn, you have to give yourself a deadline. Otherwise you'll just be writing, 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 and it has no context and you're just writing. <laughs> so you, you, you have to give yourself some level of deadline so that way you, 
can go back and look at what you've written. I know when I was writing my book, I ended up throwing out chapters and I didn't necessarily throw them out, throw them out. I kind of put them off to the side and say, well, if I ever decide to, I, I can do a part two or I can use that, that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to stop myself and say, okay, this, I, I would drag this on because as you're writing about your life, you will drag it on to not have to deal with the discomfort of putting it out. Mm. And so you have to sense. eventually, you have to eventually stop and go back and look and see how can I piece all of these things together to create a story, a story about me. And what do I want that to look like? I know when I weaved in other things in my book, so it was a little bit about me, about my journey, uh, my perspective of things, my thoughts on things, transitioning from you know from having relaxed hair to doing the big chop and and facing and being hit with a level of self hatred I never ever had to deal deal with. And I said these things that people don't talk about that when you do the, the big chop. I, mm. I, I looked at blogs and blogs and no one ever said you might hate yourself because mm. you see something so different and what I had to do to heal by that. So not only was I out there saying, here's where, here's where I was. I let people know, here's where I'm at. Here's how I overcame those things and a way to hopefully inspire. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that I was getting so many great, you know, reviews and people was like, you need to have, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. another sequel to parts of, you know, different chapters, because I also developed a philosophy in that too, called the pedestal philosophy. And that pedestal philosophy is the philosophy that every person should be sitting on their own pedestal. We so often teach our, especially our girls to be, oh, you need, you need to be on his pedestal. No, that is such a breeding ground for toxicity. Mm-hmm. Because when, when you put someone on your pedestal, what you are saying is that you cannot measure up to the level of expectations you are getting ready to hold them. Mm. And I don't want, I definitely don't want to be on anyone's pedestal because I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be what you want me to be because the evolution of my life is not going to look like what you want from me mm-hmm. and what you need from me. But when you have two people that can sit on their own pedestal, you both see each other as equals mm. in terms of, I'm not asking you to be somebody that I'm not. I'm not looking for perfection because I know you are imperfect, but I love you because of your imperfections. And that's it. Because soon as somebody do something wrong, it's it, it, it manifests in so many things because we have all of these false expectations because of what they see on TV, all the romance mm-hmm. novels and, and on Cinderella. Yeah. It's not real. Real is two people being able to be them off, be their authentic selves and be able to evolve into who God say that they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, if, if people aren't religious, I'm sorry. I, I just, that's, that's my walk. But seriously, that's, that's when I developed that philosophy. I just knew that that's what healed me. Mm-hmm. That's what removed all the toxicity because I am the best in my mind. I am the best. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. I'm mm-hmm. the best version of me. When I sit here, I don't know what your version of me look like, but I don't want to have to live up to it. But that's not my business. <laughs> so it made me whole. It really makes you whole to be sitting on your pedestal because you own 
your life. You have the ability to enrich your life. And when you sit there, you have full visibility of the energy that comes in and the energy that you push out. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> what you think and what you want, what you think I should be is none of my business. I'm just worried about what I think I should be, what I feel in my soul is who I am. And therefore I'm putting it out there. You're right. I love that philosophy, the pedestal philosophy. I'm going to have to okay. put that in the show notes so people can know uh, that a little it's bit. in my book, chapter three in, in my book. <laughs> Which book? About- I am not a stereotype. Yes, I am not a stereotype. I am H-E-R. And, and is it, and can people still find your book and buy your book? Okay, perfect. My books, are, put- uh, my books are internationally sold. There is just like, if you, even if you go to Barnes and Noble, Amazon, any place, and you just put in Pamela Gurley, all of my books that I write will come up and including those books, my first book in 2019, my books from March, all of my kids' books and all of the languages you can also, I mean, I, I have it on my website, but I think I'm going to be taking them down. It's, it's kind of hard to be there when I'm shipping out all the time. And I used to do it uh, because I would sign every book that left my mm, office, mm-hmm. every, every book. And now not so much. I, I'm doing more book tours. I'm out speaking. And I feel like if you want your book signed, you come, know, see you. come and see me, come see me personally. I'm very personable. I do gift swag bags. I mean, I, I do a lot. I do a lot for the community. I love especially it. for the kids, especially for the kids. Yeah. So we'll definitely have everything linked down in the show notes for all of that, because you want to make sure that your books get out there and that people realize that it's about who you are, putting yourself out there and knowing that wherever you are, you belong there. That is your space. That is your space. Own it, right? Own that Own space it, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I love that message. It's one of the messages that I work to make sure that my children have in that where you are, you're meant to be there. There's no reason why you can't be there. So own it, you know, be there and be, be the best that you can be, that who you are, where you are. Thank you so much, Pam. So we've had a great conversation about a few things. Uh, Is there anything else that you feel that you'd like to share before we go and that I didn't ask you about? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I'm so transparent and so open. I think the only thing that I would share is, you know, to when it comes to my children's books, be intentional about making sure that your kids read. I think reading brings on a level of creativity that most parents don't even realize. And I'm, I'm grateful that my books are colorful. They're very straightforward. They're, they're learning, they're fun. You know, you can make them as interactive as you would like to. And if anybody ever come out to my kids' red carpets, you'll see I'm very charismatic when I read and I have fun with it. But the, the most important thing is that kids are have an opportunity to see themselves be have an opportunity to be and have things that are not in traditional books that have was created for black people. I I'm not one to, to press about hair. I'm not one to press about skin color. I really think this generation and the generations after me need to understand the importance of being able to love yourself from the inside. Social media and television has a way of about feel like mocking sometimes and downgrading uh, the abilities that 
of black and brown people have. And I'm here to be a part of that change. And I'm there to, I'm, I'm going to always be there to enforce something different in my books that I give. So my, all of my um, books will always be about growth, mental, mental, emotional, and, and even potentially spiritual growth for the kids. I will also share this about my book series. I have three specials that are coming out. One, to, one for children with autism, one for children with disabilities, and one for children with Down syndrome. The first book that will be coming out will come out September next year, which be the autism book because of Autism Awareness Month. I think it's important when we talk about the proper representation and culture that even they have an opportunity to see themselves in a fun light in books to let them mm -hmm. know that they are like any other kid and they are capable and able. And I, I want to be a part of, of you know, to to bring about books for them as well so that they can see themselves a hundred percent. I love it. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you in all that you do. And so, and we will be looking out for Pamela Gurley, Dr. Pamela Gurley everywhere so that we can find your books. Before I let you go, I would like to ask you one final question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, what is your favorite dish? Ah, you know, my favorite dish is to just love myself, self-love. That's my favorite dish and I'm dishing it out everywhere. <laughs> I love it. it gives me the ability to love everybody. And if, if you don't have that dish, yeah, you know, you have to, you have to get it. That's for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Diversity Dish today, uh, Dr. Pam. It has been such a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the conversation. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.